0: I just want you. Nothing else will do. Can you identify with that? Jesus, take me back. That's our theme this morning. And I want to welcome you, Bridgeway, to our broadcast service. Today we will focus on the way back. The way back. Have you ever felt adrift? Have you ever felt out of connection with the Lord? And you need Jesus to take you back. To put you back in connection. Back in intimate communion or relationship with him. The way back. Our text uh, for this morning is... 1 John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 10. And just to set a little bit of the context here, John is writing to believers. He's talking to Christians. And so these are people who already have positional righteousness. They're already in connection with Christ. They've transferred their trust over to Jesus Christ. They're believers in him. And yet, not all of them, and perhaps you can identify with this, not all of them are in relational connection to Christ, in fellowship with him or communion with him. Did you know that you can be positionally secure in Christ and yet not be relationally connected to him? Because we all drift. And from time to time, we need Jesus to take us back. And that's what we'll give our attention to today. Let me read to you 1 John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 10. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. Verse 3 here could read, John's goal is that you would have fellowship along with us. Eugene Peterson in the message says it this way. He's telling us so you can experience it. Experience what? Communion, fellowship along with us. You see, John's goal here, and really God's goal here, is fellowship. That believers, that those who are trusting Jesus Christ might continue, remain in communion or fellowship with God fellowship. Let me talk for just a moment before I talk about fellowship, about fellowship. Our vision here at Bridgeway Community Church is to be a multicultural body of fully devoted followers of Christ, moving forward in unity and love to reach our community, our culture, and our world for Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, also stated by Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This word follow here means to accompany, to be with. So part of fellowship is fellowship, fellowship means association. It means partnership. It means communion. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you're in fellowship with me, if you're in communion with me, if you stay connected to me, and I and you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, fellowship demands fellowship. But our reality is broken fellowship. We just can't seem to get along, can we? Think about our human relationships and the breaking of fellowship. An unkind word to a spouse, a less than gentle approach with one of our children, Uh, maybe not loving one another as we love ourselves in traffic. We miss the mark, don't we? Uh, We don't always love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And who is our neighbor? Well, Jesus used the illustration of the Samaritan who loved the Jew. Uh, Two people groups that were hated people groups. So for you, think of the culture that you struggle with, that you have a hard time with, and that's your neighbor. Have you missed the mark this week? I've missed the mark this week. I've missed the mark this day. We are, I am, a habitual sinner, uh, missing the mark, just a fellow struggler. and, And John clearly plays this out for us in verses 8 and 10 of our passage. And In verse 8, he has said to us, if we claim to be without sin, and that is singular, by the way, it's not naming all the particular sins, it's this idea that we have inherited a sin nature from our father Adam and from our parents. If we claim that this is not a part of who we are, we deceive ourselves. It's an exercise in self-deceit if you think that you are not a sinner. Uh, Verse 10, he says, if we claim we have not sinned, now that's the plural. And and in verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, that's also in the plural. So so there's an acknowledgement that not only do we have a sin nature that we've inherited, but we've confirmed that we are sinners because we sinned. For the scripture says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. This idea that we've inherited sin and it's a part of our nature, David confirms that in the 51st Psalm when he says, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-two: in Adam we all die because we have all sinned. I think John wants to make the point to us that our fellowship with Jesus is threatened by the fact that we blow it that we blow it from time to time, that from time to time we we drift away from God. And and we have to accept the fact that sometimes we drift. And and, and it's okay because Jesus has a solution for you. But we do drift. It's natural because of our human condition. Have you ever laid on an inflatable raft, maybe in a swimming pool or or maybe on a lake, and closed your eyes. And three minutes later, when you open your eyes, you're like, how did I get here? It's just a natural drift that you make. I remember in 1992 when I bought my first boat. I grew up on the water, and my dad had an old wooden boat, And uh, I wanted a boat like that. So I bought a 30-year-old boat, a Thompson Tomboy, a wooden boat that was white with a nice wood deck on the top. And I remember the first time I took this boat out, I had it on the trailer and I was going to back it down the launch. And as I launched the boat, I, I jumped right in it. I didn't even take the trailer out of the water. I unhooked it. I was not real skilled at launching my boat. And I got on the boat, and it started to drift out. And the wind was a bit offshore on this large lake, and I got in, and I tried to start the boat, and I hadn't really pumped the bulb on the gas tank, and so it wasn't getting enough fuel, and the boat didn't start. And I ran the battery down. And now I was in trouble. I was adrift, and I had no way of getting back to safety, getting back to solid ground. This can happen to us spiritually, can it? And so on every boat, by law, you needed to have a noise-producing device so that if you got into trouble that you could cry out for help. And so I pulled out my trusty whistle, and I was hoping that someone would hear me and come and rescue me. I had already taken the oar out from the, under the deck of the boat and tried to paddle my way back, but the, the current and the wind was too strong and the boat was too heavy and I couldn't make my way back. I was in desperate need of help. And someone came and rescued me with another boat. I didn't have the power to do it. I couldn't get back on my own, and I needed the help of another. Have you ever been adrift spiritually without the power to get back to God on your own? And you've needed Jesus to come and with his power to bring you back. He wants to do that for us. He wants to bring us Back to him but we're going to struggle are you you ready to confess that yet that we're going to struggle are are you in alignment with the apostle Paul's perspective in Romans chapter 7 when he says in verse 15 "I, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do I do not do but what I hate I do And then in verse 18, he says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Are you a fellow struggler too? Do you drift from time to time? Now, I want to clearly say that we don't don't have to, we don't have to drift. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 13 that, that no temptation has seized us, but that which is common to everyone. And, and God, with the temptation, will provide a way of escape. So we don't have to choose sin. But have you noticed the principle in you and in me, as fellow strugglers, as habitual sinners, that we periodically, maybe even daily, We miss the mark, we drift, we fail to love as God commands us to love, that greatest commandment that we would love our neighbor as an outgrowth of our love for God. The old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing has the line, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Well, if that is the case, then what's our way back? Let's spend some time thinking about that. What is the way back to God? Oh, it could be pulling out a whistle and blowing the whistle and saying, God, I need you and I need your power. But are there some biblical metaphors and illustrations that help us to wrap our brain around how God pursues us and how he endeavors and invites us to come back to him when we drift away. I'd like to give some of our attention to John chapter 13. Uh, The author of 1 John is also the author of the Gospel of John, also the author of the book of Revelation, which we're going to look at a verse there in just a bit but I want to give our attention to John chapter 13 for just a bit. And the setting of John chapter 13 is the upper room. And Jesus, according to Luke 22 and verse 8, has sent Peter and John ahead saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So Jesus has sent them ahead and now they're sitting at a table and they're eating, but something is amiss. Someone has missed the mark. Someone has drifted a bit because Peter and John failed to make appropriate preparations and hospitable welcome, especially to the teacher, by failing to wash his feet. It was customary at the time that the one who made the preparations, the host would wash the feet of the guests, and especially the VIP guest, Jesus, who's the rabbi, the master, the teacher. And yet they've missed the mark. Uh, What will Jesus do with them missing the mark? Will he call them out? No. Jesus will cover them. Uh, Peter would later write, and I wonder if Peter is thinking back to this upper room circumstance when he writes in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply like Jesus because love covers a multitude of sins. So we have the setting, right? So what what occurs now in John chapter 13? We'll pick it up in verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet And that was why he said, Not everyone was clean. So, what's the metaphor mean? What is going on here? Jesus is indicating that everyone needs a bath, everyone needs to be washed of their sin. By trusting Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. Receiving that once and for all forgiveness, where then you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And if you have Jesus, you have life. You have the promise of eternal life. But Jesus is indicating more than the fact that you only need this one bath. You also periodically pick up dirt along the way and you need to have your feet washed. Uh, Peter and John had sort of missed the mark, right? They hadn't washed the feet of the other disciples nor the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, covering their sin, comes to them and says, let me wash your feet. I gotcha. Have you ever noticed in your life that as as you make your way through this life, that periodically you pick up some soil on your feet? You drift from time to time. You blow it periodically. You miss the mark sometimes. You acknowledge that you are a habitual offender. And Jesus stands ready with a towel and a basin and says, let me wash your feet. That's the way back. The way back is in humility and dependence Doing the humble and vulnerable thing and exposing our dirt to Him and saying, Yes, Jesus, clean me up. What was Peter's resistance to this? I think a part of it was shame. Uh, we, we notice earlier, before Peter was called to be a disciple, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, this is the setting when, when this great catch was made of fish. And when, when Peter saw really who Jesus was in this miracle, it exposed who he was. And when Simon Peter saw this, Luke 5, 8 says, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. It's not new for Peter to recoil at the gracious love seeking to move toward him and cover him and restore him back into fellowship. It's hard for us to expose our sin, isn't it? Even to Jesus who knows it already. It's hard for us to have that vulnerability. It's hard for us to be loved in our weakness. And yet the way back requires that we do just that. Rather than this exercise of self-denial to say, no, I'm good, where we minimize our sin or we rationalize our sin. Or maybe we have a deafness to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And we don't respond to the knock of Jesus on our heart. The second metaphor of how do we find our way back moves from foot washing into door knocking. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, also written by this same Apostle John. And just contextually understand this is one of the seven churches that is being written to, and a message is being delivered to the church at Laodicea. Mind you, it's a church, they're believers. And you can apply this corporately or you can apply this individually. That Jesus sometimes is outside of the doors of even the church. Jesus is sometimes outside of access to some rooms in your house. You see, when you trusted Jesus Christ, you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and you got the whole Spirit. But my question to you is, did the Spirit get all of you? Do you give Jesus access to every room in the house? Or are there some places where Jesus is not invited in? And maybe he wants to knock on that door and call you into deeper fellowship, call you back to a place of access, vulnerability, transparency, authenticity, so that you can be in intimate communion, fellowship with him, which is a part of fellowship. You can't follow him without fellowship. In Revelation 3:20, Jesus is saying to you and to me, "Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me." Wow. Do you need a toe? Because you don't have the power to get back to safety? Do you need a wash because you've picked up some dirt along the way? Do you need to open the door because you hear that still small voice knocking for access to a place in your heart? God has a solution for you. And and God doesn't make it complex. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, In human relationships, reconciliation can get really complex, can't it? You you can do all the right things. You can fall on the sword. You can take responsibility. You can confess. You can ask for forgiveness. But it's still dependent on the response of the other person, right? But with God, in accordance with his faithfulness, his faithfulness to his word, he will cleanse you if you do your part. What's your part? Confess and repent. God's solution is confess and repent. It's plain and simply this. Change your mind and agree with God. You feel dirty? Expose it. He'll cover it. Do you hear a still small voice? Open the door and he'll enter. Are you adrift? Blow the whistle. And he'll tow you back to land. Repent and confess. Repent. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It means change one's mind. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Confess our very text. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess... That means to acknowledge, to admit, to agree. We know when we've blown it. We know when we're adrift. We know when we've stepped out of bounds of God's great command to love others. When God, through his spirit, lets you know that you're adrift, that he's knocking. Uh, The reconciliation plan is quite simple, just... Just say god you're right, I'm wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to change my mind about that. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm not going to rationalize it. Take me back. Again, first 1 John 1:9. 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you need a toe? Do you need a wash? Are you hearing a knock? We are going to move into a time of communion now. And I trust you you have some elements available to you that represent the bread and the cup. Communion. A synonym for fellowship. We're going to have fellowship. Fellowship. With Jesus. The word there is koinonia, which speaks of this relational intimacy, this partnership, this association, this connection with Jesus. And communion is an opportunity to celebrate that relationship with Jesus, that branch in the vine connection to Jesus. But for some of us, that connection may be broken. We're adrift. We haven't kept short accounts with God. There's something that we need to do business with God about. And I'm so grateful that Jesus makes it easy for us to get back in connection with him. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul is giving instructions on communion, he says this in 1 Corinthians 11:28. 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That word examine means to scrutinize. And I'm going to give you some moments to examine yourself. And answer the question, are you good with God? Is Jesus approaching you with a towel and a basin? How will you respond? Will you recoil like Peter and say, no, I'm good? If you do that, Jesus says, you have no part with me. That idea of part means association, alignment. Do you want to come back? The way back is to humble yourself and let Jesus cover you. Wash up that dirt that you've picked up. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way, but God has laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all, and that's what we celebrate during this time of the Lord's table. We celebrate the broken body of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus. We celebrate that He brought us back once and for all and then continues to pursue us and keep us in His presence by willingly washing our feet on a daily basis, knocking on the door of our heart and asking for access, responding to the whistle we may blow when we cry out, I need you. Remember back in that John 13 passage where Jesus said, but not every one of you is clean. Now Peter was an authentic Christ follower, but there was one in the crowd that wasn't. And Jesus identified him. And I wonder if in this moment, if Jesus is identifying you as someone who's not clean. You've not had that one-time bath. A A time in your life where you acknowledged, yes, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner separated from a holy God. But thank you that you love me enough that You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place, that His body was broken for me as He endured my sin, that His blood was shed that I might receive forgiveness. Lord, I trust You. And during this time of examination, there's a twofold application. First, do you need that first once-and-for-all bath? You can transfer your trust over to Jesus right now simply by crying out, Lord, I need you. And for those of us who have trusted Christ, this examination time is an opportunity to get things right with God if anything is amiss. Before I lead us in taking the elements, let's just take a moment and do business with God. if you would take the elements that you've prepared now. and Take the element representing the bread. The scripture says on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we take the bread, Restored to fellowship with Jesus, we remember with gratitude and awe what He's done for us. Let's remember the broken body of Jesus together. And like fashion, Jesus took the cup and says, there's a new agreement. Once and for all sacrifice. My sacrifice for you. This cup represents the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so as we take the cup together, we remember We are forgiven. We are forgiven. Let's take and drink together, remembering the blood of Christ. And in threefold fashion, say it with me Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.